I really wanted, when I looked at the questions that we had to answer, I really wanted to do this question right on the heels of last week's question because mainly they have a similar topic or similar, similar ideas, right? Uh, so quickly, I want to recap. Again, I, I really, really, really implore you to go listen to the podcast from the last couple weeks, but I want to quickly recap for anyone who wasn't here last week. Um, what some things that we should remember before we jump into this question first god did not did not design us as humans or the message of of the gospel to be accepted by the world so as humans we are not to be accepted by the world and the gospel was not designed to be accepted by the world and that sounds a little funny because god obviously wants the gospel to be accepted in the world but we have to remember that the things of God and, and the, the ministry that Jesus spoke, he specifically said in John 15, which was the, the, the scripture we dug into last week, that the world was going to reject Jesus and his teachings, right? So, so the gospel and Christians were not intended to be accepted by the world. We looked at how Christianity and Christians do not run congruent with our world or our culture. And, and this being the reason that the world and people in it frequently unjustly dislike Christians. And second, we have to remember what, John, what Jesus said in John 15, 22. He said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. And we have to remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a convicting word to sinful people. The gospel of Jesus is convicting because it tells us all that we are all sinners and that we are all people who are unfit to enter the kingdom of heaven. And whether we realize this or not, we are people who hate being wrong. And I think we all realize this, but we hate even more to be convicted of things. So given these two facts from last week's lesson, that the gospel and, and the people who share it are intended to not be accepted by the world and that the, the gospel is something that brings conviction, which humans dislike, we have to realize that the gospel itself, even in all of its accepting and forgiving nature, is something that is repelling to the world. And that's why this question comes up, because we understand that this idea of sharing the gospel and this idea of preaching the gospel or, or talking about the gospel is something that naturally repels people. And that's why this question gets asked is, how can I share the gospel without repelling people? It's because maybe they've experienced in their life a time where they did share the gospel with someone and it repelled them or it maybe ended a relationship. And so they're asking this question, and, and, I'm, and I'm not going to I'm, I'm be honest, I'm not totally sure in which way this question was going to be asked, so I kind of did it both ways. Whether the person who was asking this question or the people who were asking this question was worried about repelling others personally, like if I share the gospel, they stop liking me, or if they were worried about if I don't share the gospel right, will that person be repelled from Christianity? And, and so I wasn't sure exactly which of those two Questions and, and again, there were multiple people who wrote similar questions to this. So I wanted to make sure that we covered all, all the bases in here. So realistically, I'm going to answer both of these questions one in the same way. And then we're going to be done for tonight. No, just kidding. You were like, yes, 10 minutes. Um, no, but there's one question and it, and it answers both of these. It, there's one answer to both of these questions. 
And it's as simple as this. Let God worry about it. Let God worry about it. As Christians, we cannot be people who are afraid to be rejected by the world. We literally talked at length last week about how we should desire in some way to be rejected by the world because the world is the enemy and the rival of God. And if we are on God's team, then we should be hated by the opposition, right? We talked about, obviously you guys know I'm an OU fan, so we talked about OU and Texas. And like, if someone cheers for Texas, then literally I dislike them solely based on the fact that they cheer for Texas. And so in the same way, if someone's on God's team, which is OU, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, if someone's on God's team, then the, the world, which is the rival or the opponent of God, is ultimately just going to hate them based on that fact alone. So when we look at this, I understand that as humans, we have a few things that make, that make this idea of being rejected by the world difficult for us, right? Like it's not easy. Like, man, how cool would it be if I could just come in here and be like, guys, be strong for God. If the world hates you, that's okay. And everyone goes, okay, let's go home. No, we don't like that. We don't want that. Right? We don't like that answer. And, and, and one reason is, generally speaking, we desire to coexist with people. And I know all you introverts out there are like, uh, no, give me a room by myself, please. But like, realistically, human nature is to coexist with other people. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to straight up prove you wrong. If you're going to be like, nope, I want to be in a room. No, I'm going to prove you wrong. Because... This, and, and, and like I said, this isn't true for everyone, but the reason our entire culture pushes this idea of acceptance, right? We're told by the world, we're told by our culture to be accepting of this group, to be accepting of this group, to be accepting of these type of people, to be accepting of everything is because we naturally want to be people who coexist in harmony, Right? We want to be people who are just like, oh, everything's wonderful and we all love each other. Like, that's what we want to do. We are people who crave community. This is why we have things like, I don't know, cities, right? People live close to each other, not because they like, not just for any reason, but that's why we have cities is because people crave community. It's why we have things like churches, schools, restaurants. Social places, activities. So it makes sense for us as Christians that we don't want to do things that repel other people. Because that goes against our nature. As humans, we never want to repel someone. But yet the Bible tells us living for God repels people. And so we're torn do we live for God and go against our nature, be repelled by the world? Or do we not live for God and side with the world to be accepted, to fit in, to coexist? The, the second thing that we also realize is that the basis of the gospel is relational. We know that what we are trying to lead people towards is not just this experience, right? Yes, we want people to experience salvation and we say that all the time. But 
my job as a youth minister is not to get as many kids here and experience salvation and then just go, high five, they got saved. No, my job is to help you cultivate, to, to create in this moment of salvation, then cultivate a personal working relationship with God. So when we look at the idea of what the gospel is, the gospel is not simply this idea of a single moment of salvation. The gospel is something that is relational. The gospel is something that is created and cultivated in a relationship with God by the way of his son, Jesus. And it makes the, ra- the relational aspect of this feel cold and distant if there isn't an aspect of human relational human relation to it, right? And and so when we look at this idea of being rejected of the world, we have to tell ourselves, okay, I can't, as a Christian who's, who's called to share the gospel with people, I can't fully devote myself to being rejected by the world because I'm called to save the world, right? I'm called to share the gospel with the world and I can't do that if I'm not having a relationship with them. So it makes sense that an aspect of sharing and showing the gospel to someone is building a relationship with them, which obviously can't be done if we don't care at all about repelling other people. A good example I see of this, and, and, and I don't know if they have this at U of A in Fayetteville or if any of you guys have experienced this at your high school or anything, but when I was at OU, there were like three or four guys They called themselves preachers or pastors. They really weren't. But they would get these big boxes and they would stand in like the most populous area of campus where tons of people were walking by. And they would just scream at people, you're going to hell. Like straight up, they would just stand there and they'd be like, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. And you're going to hell. And I'm like toning it down way, way, way to what they do. They get up there on this literal soapbox and they just scream at people that they're going to hell. Okay, guys, that right there is sharing the gospel without a relational aspect. Okay, and that's why when we look at this and we look at this idea of sharing the gospel, we have to acknowledge that we can't solely reject humanity. We can't solely repel humanity. We have to have some sort of aspect of relating to them. Right? We have to have some way to connect to them personally to show them, hey, this is the relationship that you need to have with God. So we have to acknowledge that there's a sense of balance that we have to find between completely surrendering our life to the world. Like rejecting this life that God's called us to and living for the world. Like we can't do that. right? And we also can't live on this extreme where... It says, okay, well, we're, I'm just going to be fully rejected by the world and not be able to relate to anyone to share them the gospel, right? So we see these two polar opposites, not living for God at all and living totally for the world and living totally for God and being totally rejected by the world, but not being able to share the gospel. We realize there has to be a balance, right? There has to be a moment where these two places intersect. And what we have to do as Christians called and devoted to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is we have to find this point. Not we should find this point, not we should try to find, we have to. 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We absolutely have to find this point. Otherwise, we cannot do what God has called us to do and share the gospel with the world. So how can we do this? How can we find this middle ground? I've got two points and each of them have some sub points, okay? So if you're taking notes, it's going to get a little funky. But how can we live our life to where we fully are devoted to God and reject the world, but yet we're also in the world enough that we're able to relate to it? The first thing, and, and guys, I'm not kidding when I say this, and it sounds like the most simple thing, but realistically, this is the hardest thing for Christians to get on board with. And, and I'll give you one example as soon as I tell you what it is. But the first thing we have to do before we can even begin to start thinking about how we're sharing the gospel with people is we have to be unashamed of the gospel. We have to be unashamed to represent the name of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know how hard that is, Look no further than Paul. Or, sorry, not Paul. Peter. Wrong, wrong P name. Look no further than Peter. When on the night that Jesus was being arrested, he disowned Jesus. Right? Peter, this guy that was like, he walked on water because of his faith in Jesus. He was called by God to be a foundational piece of the early church. Right? He was the, the human part of the foundation of the church. He was called by God to be this. And yet in this moment, he disowned Jesus because he was ashamed of the gospel. Guys, this is not something that's easy to just be like, yeah, I'm unashamed of the gospel. If push came to shove and someone's holding a gun to your head, are you going to stand up for Jesus? That's the extreme of being unashamed of the gospel. There, there's a group or... or yeah, I guess a group, but it's called the 116 Click. Okay, you may have heard of them. It's a bunch of Christian rappers, and this was that they still exist, obviously. But like this was a few years ago is when they formed this. It was when Christian rap was just like getting started, and they were called the 116 Click based on the verse of Romans 116. And and the the verse, and we're going to read it in just a second, talks about being unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what they did was they realized that if we boldly proclaim the name of Jesus in our songs and in what we do, we are going to be rejected by the music industry. Because if you don't know this, the music industry is not very Christ-like. Just listen to literally almost any secular artist. Okay? And I have a book in my office if you want to read more about this. It's written by Lecrae, who was one of the founding members of the 116 Click, and it's called Unashamed. And he talks about... How he would attend, like he would be nominated for Grammys and stuff and he would attend Grammy parties and they wouldn't allow him in like the inner circle of the party where the artists actually were. He had to stand out with like all the fans and stuff because he was a Christian artist. Okay? It's crazy. Like you can read and and the whole books, it's more than just that. That was one example. But these people, these, these artists were unashamed of the gospel because they knew that preaching the gospel was going to negatively affect them and they did it anyway. 
They were, they were truly unashamed of the gospel. And we have to be the same way and carry the same mindset that Paul had when he wrote this to the Romans. And in Romans 1, verse uh, 14 through 17, he says this, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in, a gospel, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is from faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. He was so eager. Paul was so eager to be there, to get to Rome so that he could share the gospel with them because he knew it was their responsibility and he knew that they needed to hear it. So the first sub-point in this idea of being unashamed of the gospel is we have to be aware of our responsibility from God to share the gospel with other people. And I hope you guys all realize the reality of this, that through not only the Great Commission, but through scripture, seeing a recurring theme of how God used people to lead others to a relationship with God. Or used people to lead other people to, re to revealing God so that they could forge their own relationship. But it's really laid out in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which is the Great Commission. And I think most of you know it. Uh, roughly says, go therefore and, and spread the gospel, uh, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then again in Acts 1, 8. We're told to be the witnesses to God for God in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guys, this idea of us being responsible uh, for sharing the gospel with people is not some sort of secret in Scripture. And it's also not something that is a selective calling. I hear people all the time say, uh, yeah, I'm called to do mission work. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There are people called to do full-time mission work. My best friend is one of them. He and his wife and their, their newborn uh, baby girl live in Mexico. And they've lived there for about four or five years now. And, and so there are people who are called and devoted to full-time mission work. But when I hear people say, oh yeah, I'm called to missions. I'm like, yeah, I know you are because you're a Christian. And every Christian's called to missions. We are all, as followers of Jesus Christ, called to share his gospel with a lost and dying world. Before anything else, before we move any further into this, every single one of you in here has to grasp onto this idea that we are to be unashamed of the gospel. And it is our duty and our responsibility as Christians to share that with the world around us. Whether that's here in Northwest Arkansas, whether it's in your high school or here in your community or whether it's in another part of this country or whether it's anywhere else in the world. Your responsibility and duty as a member of the kingdom of God is to share the gospel with any and everyone you come in contact with. The second sub point is we have to realize that people need to hear it. Imagine if you had a friend that went to a job interview and you saw them right before you went to this job interview and man, they looked horrible. Their, their suit was just all wrinkly. Their tie was like tied wrong and crooked. And like maybe they, they didn't shower that morning or like, you know, they had stuff in their teeth and their hair was all messed up. Like, I don't know. They just look really bad. 
you would feel really bad if you didn't tell them, hey man, you really got to look a little bit better than that before you go into a job interview. If you, di- you would feel horrible if you didn't say that and they didn't get the job. Right? You would feel a sense of responsibility in that. And, and now, sure, it could have been a number of things that they didn't get the job. They could have not been qualified for the job. They could have been a horrible candidate for that job. But you would always wonder if you not telling them that they weren't putting their best foot forward affected the result of that interview. You didn't do what you could to make sure they had their best shot at getting that job. Now think of this same situation, but in in relation to someone's salvation. Sure, there are a lot of reasons that ultimately they could reject God. But you will always wonder if you not sharing the gospel with them affected the fact that they did not accept Jesus Christ and get into heaven. You didn't do what you could do to make sure they knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you guys a story real quick. And I really don't want to go too long on this, but it was something that was super impactful to me whenever I was your age. We were at Falls Creek one year, church camp. And if you guys don't know, every week at Falls Creek, there's like 8,000 students there. Okay, it's massive. And I don't even know how they did this, but they pulled 10 students aside as they were entering the tabernacle one night. And before it started, they said, we've told 10, 10 people in here are quote unquote missionaries. They, they know the gospel of Jesus Christ. What everyone in here is to do is to go around and find these 10 people. They have one minute to tell as many people as they can around them about the gospel and see how many people get saved. I I don't know if you guys realize this, but in the chaos of every 8,000 people trying to find 10 people in a room, not a lot of people listen. Not a lot of people hear. And a minute goes by really fast. And so after a minute, they, they said, okay, everyone stop. They said, raise your hand if you heard the gospel of Jesus in that minute. And literally you saw like 10 little pockets around there. And it was interesting because for, and I don't even know how this happened, but one girl, she was like an eighth or a ninth grader. She was pretty young, pretty shy in from my youth group was one of the 10 people. And I will never forget the moment when she's sitting two seats away from her best friend and her best friend looks at her after this is over. I think as they said, who are the Christians? And they raised their hand and her best friend looked at her and goes, why didn't you tell me? Like, seriously, I just got chills thinking about the moment. And it was like one of the most powerful moments of my entire life at camp was hearing someone say that. And the girl just looked at her friend and goes, it was just so crazy. I didn't, I didn't think to tell the person that was right next to me. I was thinking about telling the person way over there or telling the person three sections over. I wasn't thinking about telling the person sitting right next to me. And I think this tells us two things. One, we can become so focused on, oh my gosh, this whole world needs to hear the gospel that we focus on doing mission trips in other states or in other countries. And we forget to to evangelize in our own backyard to our own friends and family. And two, I think it also shows us that, that in a culture where people are so busy trying to hear the truth or trying to find the truth, they aren't actually listening for the one person that's sharing it, right? 
So many people were yelling, who knows the gospel? Who knows the gospel? That no one could hear. You can imagine 8,000 people screaming that. No one could hear someone face to face going, hey, I know, I know the gospel. Guys, sharing the gospel is not something that's easy. But it's something that we're called to do. And we're called not just to do it around the world. We're called to do it in our own backyard too. To every single person we come in contact with. To every single person at our youth group. Guys, I don't know if you realize this. But some of the people in here may not be Christians. Just reality. When was the last time you even asked someone at church. The safest place that it is to ask someone if they know the gospel of Jesus Christ. When was the last time you've done that to someone here? Sure. Most of the people in here are going to go. Yeah, I know the gospel. Why don't you just say, why don't you share it with me? Because if you can't recite what the gospel is or what it means, you probably don't understand it. And you're probably not a Christian. We should be asking, and and I'm the first one, I point the finger at myself first. Because I don't sit around here every Wednesday night and have gospel conversations with you guys the way that I should. I don't ask every student that comes in here, hey, do you know Jesus? Are you a Christian? I don't do that like I should, but I know for a fact that not all of you guys do that like you should too. So I'm pointing the finger at myself first, but I'm also pointing at you guys. We have to be people who are responsible for sharing the gospel with everyone. Since we're all sinners, we all need the gospel's forgiveness in our life. We must act as if every single person needs the gospel shared with them because guess what they do? And I'll be the first to admit that I don't always do my best to confirm the, 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 that even the students in here every week have heard and understand the gospel. But we all have a responsibility and a call from God to understand that all people need to hear the gospel. And to unashamedly preach it, speak it into their lives. So our first main point is we have to be unashamed of the gospel. We have to work to be people who don't care if people know that we're a Christian, that we represent and lift high the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing is we have to share the gospel with love. I told you guys, I've told you from day one, love is a foundational aspect of Christianity and love is my favorite topic to preach about. So you're going to get a little bit of that tonight, but we have to. To share the gospel with love. We've already covered the fact that the, that the gospel is convicting to a lost world. But, and we don't need to try and make it more convicting. Right? Like I think that we do that a lot as Christians. We're like, I really need to drive home the part that they're a sinner. <laughs> like, you're a horrible person. You're going to hell. Like that guy. He's like, ooh, that looks hot. I bet hell's hot. Like, seriously, that's what a lot of Christians do. They try to make the gospel more convicting than it is. Guys, the gospel is convicting enough as it is. We don't need to make it more convicting. I hear people try to share the gospel by harping on how wretched and sinful we are as people. And don't get me wrong. This is a true and a valid and essential aspect to the grace of God through the gospel. We have to accept the fact that we are wretched and sinful people. right? We have to understand that. But the gospel is not about you and how bad you are. The gospel is about God, a loving father, and how much he loved you so much so that he sent and sacrificed his own son for each and every one of you. The gospel is not about you. It's about God. 
The gospel was never meant to be about conviction and condemnation. It was meant to be about love and grace that surpasses all understanding. So when we share the gospel, yes, it is imperative that people are convicted of their sins. Otherwise, they have no reason to seek salvation. But we have to be people who, when sharing the gospel, highlight the love of God that is found in it. And we have to do that with our words, and we have to do that with our actions. We have to first connect with them on a personal level. So if you're looking for the subpoints, the first one is connect with people on a personal level. You can have nothing in common with someone at all. Zero things in common with them. And you can find a moment of commonality in your conviction of your sin and your shame. Hey, I know how you're feeling right now about being convicted by your sin. I felt that way too. I was once convicted of my sin when I experienced salvation. And boom, just like that, someone you have nothing in common with, you have the most important thing in common with, that you are lost and in desperate need of a savior. Being convicted is something that is lonely and isolating. You have to share with people when you felt convicted or first felt convicted of your sin. Connect with how they are feeling in that moment. Second sub point is you've got to listen to them. I can't tell you guys, and I am so bad about this because I'm a talker, right? I literally want to talk someone to salvation, right? Salvation is not something that I talk someone into, right? It's something that they experience, that they talk, that, that they have a relationship and they talk themselves into, essentially. People always, I hear students all the time. It's like the most common reason, I swear to you, if I ask everyone in here why you don't share the gospel with people, I guarantee you this would be the top answer. They say they're afraid to share the gospel because they don't know if they'll say the right thing. The easiest way to make sure you don't say the wrong thing is to, to listen more. So often we try to cram the gospel down people's throat without giving them a chance to respond. And we only give them one option. Say yes to Jesus or you're going to hell. Do it now. Now, no, 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 no. It's like an infomercial where they're like, call now. Call now. Operators are standing by. You have five minutes. Like, no, seriously. Let me think about this. This is a big decision in someone's life. The last thing you want to do is pressure them into a decision they're not ready to make. You have to listen in that discussion. See how they're feeling, what they're thinking. And then that leads us to our third subpoint. Don't pressure anyone into a, into a decision. Never pressure someone into a decision. I know we all want everyone to make that decision now because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And guys, let me tell you right now, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what's going on in 2020. We are not guaranteed tomorrow, okay? Literally something is... A, there are square dancing hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico right now. Like straight up, that's how crazy 2020 has gotten, Okay? We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We want people, as humans, we want this instant gratification. We want to share the gospel with them for them for, to accept the gospel right then and there. But we are not called to save people. We are called to share the gospel. It is God's job to save people. If we share the gospel and they aren't ready to accept it, that's fine. 
Don't destroy the work you've done building a relationship trying to pressure someone into a decision they're not ready to make. We need to be people unafraid to share the gospel because it will repel people. We have to be unashamed of the gospel, but focus on how we can share it in a relational way. And if someone is repelled by that, we have to understand that they aren't really repelled by us. They're repelling God. Even if they repel you personally, even if they're like, you know what? I don't, I don't like that you're coming around me talking about all this Jesus stuff. I really don't want to talk to you anymore. Guys, they're not repelling you. Yeah, they, they are physically, but they're not doing that because of you. They're not doing that because of something that you are or you did. They're, they're repelling God in that moment. And we have to be okay with that. I'm going to challenge you guys to do something in just a second. I'm going to pray for you guys right now, and then I'm going to challenge you guys. And if you are like, you know what? I don't think I'm ready for that step. I'm going to leave. Like, legitimately, that is totally cool. Okay? You're not going to, you're not going to offend me. No one's going to think you're weird. I'm going to ask you guys to take a very bold step here in just a second. And if you're not comfortable with that, you can walk to the back of the room. Okay? I don't care. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But I'm going to pray for you guys, and then I'm going to talk about uh, what I'm going to ask you guys to do. God, thank you so much for your gospel. Thank you for the love that just oozes out of it. And I pray that you would help us to be people who take that love and we inject it into every relationship that we have. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who are fully and totally unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we boldly proclaim it into every single person, every single relationship that we have in our lives. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how awkward, no matter how damaging it could be to the relationship. That is what we are called to do by you, God. And I pray that you would convict our hearts to see the lostness around us. To reach out to those people and try to pull them to you, God. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed a month from now. We're not guaranteed a year from now. I pray that you would help us to all start a journey to try to reach as many people as we can with any and every second that you give us. God, I pray that you would help these students to be up to the challenge that we are about to present to them right now. That they would, that they would feel empowered to do this and, and that they would come to you to get their strength, to get their comfort, to get their reassurance, God. That they would lean on you through this challenge and that they would ultimately see this to completion. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.